the legacy of the Muppets is incalculable. From 13 mainline movies, hundreds of episodes from various shows, and a collection of award-winning songs, it is impossible to truly comprehend the reach of this puppet empire. But while the Muppets today permanently reside in the histories of society and culture, at one point they only existed as a simple idea in the mind of their creator, Jim Henson. An idea which underwent countless changes and adaptations throughout his life. Yet no matter how insurmountable the task seemed, no matter how many failures Henson and his team encountered, they continued to pursue their dream. The story of the Muppets is one of perseverance and an unfailing passion to entertain the world. To truly understand the difficulties and changes the Muppets went through to reach their final destination as a cultural milestone, we must look at the saga behind the story of the Muppets. Jim Henson first started to develop early concepts for what would eventually become the Muppets during his high school years in the early 1950s. During this time, Jim Henson was a part of a puppetry club at his high school, Northwestern High School and Hyattsville, Maryland. During this time of early growth and experimentation, Henson would begin to develop his own puppetry style. What first started out as a hobby, however, was soon to develop into a career in the entertainment industry. Henson's first opportunity to work in television was granted to him his senior year of high school, when his local television station, WTOP-TV, was in need of puppeteers for their new children's show they were planning, The Junior Morning Show. Two representatives from the television station came to the puppetry club Henson was a part of, and offered him the chance to work with puppets on the show. Henson enthusiastically agreed, and began to work on the show soon after. The show eventually premiered on June 19, 1954. Unfortunately, this job would not last too long, as the show ended up only having a three-week-long run. The show had to be cancelled due to violations of child labor laws. At the time, some of the child labor laws for theater were reversed, and the station assumed that this rollback would also apply to television. However, the station was soon made aware that the reversals did not apply to television, and that any shows they produced would still have to abide by the restrictions. Since the show was a children's show which featured young kids on screen, the show would have been found in violation of the laws, and thus the show needed to be cancelled. While his run on this show was short, working for WTOP still gave Henson the opportunity to work with television and to adapt his puppetry for televised productions. Working on television would end up being useful for Henson, as television and adapting puppetry for television would soon become a vital part of his life and career. After the show was cancelled, Jim Henson's priorities went back to preparing for college. At this time, Jim Henson was planning to attend the University of Maryland as a studio arts major. He planned to become a commercial artist. Once he started going to school, however, Henson would be presented with new opportunities that would bring him back to working with puppets. One opportunity that brought Henson to work more with puppets was the classes he ended up taking at university. He ended up taking a class in puppetry as a part of the home economics department, which would then 
then lead to him taking courses in crafting and textiles. Taking these classes helped to improve his skills and expand his understanding of how to craft the puppets he would one day be famous for. All of these changes in classes ended up causing Henson to change his major to a major in home economics. While these classes were helpful for Henson, the college experience that truly helped to lead him down the path he would end up on was the show he would co-create during his freshman year of college. The show Sam and Friends was co-created by Jim Henson and his fellow University of Maryland student, Jane Nebel. Each episode of this show was a five-minute comedy segment featuring puppets designed by Jim Henson. Episodes would follow a human character named Sam, who would spend time with the other characters of the show as a way to escape the world. Some of Sam's friends were early versions of characters who would one day become Muppets, the most prominent of which was Kermit. Hmm, that's the two. For this show, Kermit himself was not originally identified as specifically a frog, and was instead a lizard-like character who simply went by the name Kermit. The original version of the Kermit puppet was created out of Jim Henson's mother's spring coat and Henson's own blue jeans. While this was clearly a primitive design, it served as the beginnings for Kermit and other characters of the Muppets cast. As far as the content of the show, it was mainly focused on the puppets lip-syncing popular songs or creating parodies of popular music media in short sketches. Even though the designs of the puppets and structure of the show may seem simple, the techniques Henson and Jane Nebel utilized for this show were revolutionary in comparison to the ways puppets had been utilized in television before this point. One such way in which the show worked to change the way puppets were used on television was with how the puppets were framed. Prior to this point, puppeteering on television was based off of live puppeteering that used to be in theaters or street performances, meaning puppeteers would still have have stage-like elements to work around, even on television. Jim Henson and Jane Nebel decided to instead use the framing of the camera itself as a way to hide the puppeteers. This allowed the puppeteers to be nearby to the puppets, and to move in ways which would previously not be possible because of the limitations of having to work within a traditional stage setup. Henson and Nebel continued to break puppeteering conventions with the construction of the puppets themselves. The majority of the puppets constructed at the time were made from wood but Henson did not like the look of wood puppets. He wanted his puppets to have a greater sense of life and sensitivity, something that would not be well betrayed by the stiff nature of wood. To solve this issue, Henson constructed his puppets out of foam rubber that was then covered in fabric to give the characters a softer look. In addition to the looks of the puppets, the way they moved on screen was also changed from how puppets were traditionally moved. Traditionally, whenever a puppeteer would want to have puppets whose arms could move, they would use strings on their arms, but Henson did not feel as though this would allow for as much expression as he wanted the characters to give. Because of this, Henson chose to have his puppet's arms be moved by rods, which would allow for greater expression and more precise control over the actions of the puppets. Another way in which Henson and Nebo worked to gain greater control over the puppets was with how they chose to move the puppets' mouths. Rather than using the random mouth movements which were traditional of puppetry up until this point, Henson and Nebo wanted their puppets to have more precise mouth 
mouth movements, which would actually match the dialogue they were saying, allowing for much greater creativity. The more flexible construction of the puppets themselves allowed for this kind of movement of the mouth, making it easier for both Henson and Neville to make the characters seem as though they were really saying the words being spoken in the show. Once the show began, Henson and Neville ended up creating 5-minute episodes that would air twice a day on weekdays in Washington, D.C. Having this market at their disposal allowed for the show to reach a wider audience. The result of this wider audience and great ambition was a show which became a financial and critical success. The show itself became so popular that Henson was recruited to create advertisements for companies, the most prominent of which being Wilkins Coffee. This machine will make you want a cup of Wilkins Coffee. Not me. I'll take mine with cream and sugar. In much the same way Henson and Neville worked to break conventions in the main show of Sam and Friends, they also worked to break conventions in the world of advertising. Before this point in time, the majority of advertisements focused on the hard sell, simply telling the viewer why the product was great. But you do want the extra protection of Band-Aid plastic strips. They take better care of little cuts and scratches. They stay put. Band-Aid plastic strips with new super stick stick better than any other bandage. Henson decided to make his advertisements more interesting by introducing elements of humor, especially slapstick humor. As Henson stated, Till then, advertising agencies believed the hard sell was the only way to get their message over on television. We took a very different approach. We tried to sell things by making people laugh. While Henson was beginning to reap success from his work with puppets, he was beginning to doubt whether he truly had a future working with puppets. He was unsure if going into a career in this industry after college would truly be what he wanted to do with his life. Henson had some time to think during a trip to Europe. On this trip, Henson encountered European puppet performers, who saw their work as a true art form rather than a silly product for children. With this new inspiration in his mind, Henson returned to America filled with new ideas for future projects. After returning to America, Henson and Jane Nebel began dating. The two would eventually marry in 1959. The show Sam and Friends continued to be what gave Henson popularity, as he would be asked to make appearances on talk shows along with his characters. Now deciding to continue to work in the puppet world, Jim Henson and Jane Neville co-founded Muppets Inc. in 1958. Three years later in 1961, Jane Henson would step down from the company, as she instead decided to focus on raising her children she had had with Jim. Up until this point, Jane had been the only other main person who worked with Henson to create the shows. Now that Jane was stepping down, Henson knew he would need to find more people who would be willing to join Muppet Inc. to assist in production. When he set up to find new people he could work with, Henson found Frank Oz, who at the time was in high school, working as an apprentice puppeteer. Henson approached Frank Oz and offered him the opportunity to work with Muppet Inc. However, Frank Oz initially declined because of the fact that he was still in high school, thinking that it was too early for him to leave and work professionally. Another person who Henson found that was able to join the team was writer Jerry Jewell. Two years later in 1963, Henson moved his family and the Muppets Inc. business to New York City. At this time, Frank Oz was finished with high school and was now willing to work with the Muppets Inc. Company, meaning that he too now moved to New York City and joined the group. Now in New York City, Henson and his team took the Muppets around to talk shows and late night shows that were filmed in the area. While these late night television segments would begin to build the notoriety of these puppet characters, the public would become much more familiar with the Muppets through a new television show which they were about to appear on. 
in 1966, Joan Gans Cooney and Lloyd Morissette had created the concept for an educational children's show they wanted to create. However, they felt that the show was missing something, and that it would require characters to help make the show more entertaining. They decided to address this by approaching Jim Henson and asking if he would be willing to have his Muppet characters be a part of the Sesame Street show which was being developed. Jim Henson agreed to both have his characters he had already created appear on the show and to create new characters specifically for the Sesame Street show. The only thing Henson asked for was that he would retain the ownership of the rights of the Muppet characters his team would create for the show. Three years later in 1969, Sesame Street would premiere to the public. Soon after, the show became a massive success. In the early Sesame Street episodes, Muppet characters would appear separately from the realistic portions of the show, but as time went on, the two sectors began to merge more with both puppet characters and human guests appearing next to each other. The longer the show continued to run, the more emphasis the team would place on the Muppet characters, as they seemed to be the ones which viewers enjoyed the most. PBS themselves gave much credit to Jim Henson and his team for the success of Sesame Street and thus PBS as a whole, going as far to say that Jim Henson was the spark that ignited our fledgling broadcast service. Henson and his team were greatly involved with the production of Sesame Street, and as such, they greatly benefited from its success. The great success of Sesame Street finally gave Jim Henson and his company the financial freedom necessary to stop creating commercials, and instead focus purely on their creative efforts, something which Jim Henson found to be greatly relieving as he claimed, it was a pleasure to get out of that world. Ladies and gentlemen, presenting the end of sex and violence on television. While the success of Sesame Street was an overall positive achievement for Henson, the program's achievement did raise concern for Henson. He believed that having the greatest success for the Muppets be a kids show meant that the entire brand would become seen as something only meant for children. Because of this, Henson and his team decided to try and create adult content with the Muppet characters, to exhibit the multifaceted nature of the characters and the puppets. This desire for a broader age range for the Muppet audiences resulted in the development for the first Muppets show in the 1970s. Rather than focusing on educating children, the Muppets in this show would be in sketch comedy skits, meant to entertain an adult audience. The results of these ambitions were the two pilots Henson and his company created for ABC. The first pilot was the Muppets Valentine Show, which aired in 1974. The second pilot, titled The Muppets Show Sex and Violence, aired in 1975. While Henson and his company hoped that these two pilots would be seen as entertaining and quality adult content, ABC did not find these shows to be something that they wanted to air on their networks, and so they passed on the program. While this may at first have seemed like a failure for the team, these declines from ABC resulted in the team taking a different direction which would eventually lead to the brand which prevails to this day. After ABC declined the second Muppet show, Henson and his team were approached by British producer Lou Grade, who wanted to co-produce a Muppet series with Henson for associated television in Great Britain. Rather than focusing on only trying to reach the adult audience, this new show would be working to expand the audience for the Muppets, turning the characters and the brand into something people of all different ages, from children to adults, could find something to enjoy. This new show would begin in 1976, and would bring back iconic characters such as Kermit the Frog, while also introducing brand new characters such as Miss Piggy, Fozzie Bear, and Gonzo. Additionally, 
This show would work even harder to bring in celebrity guests to be used as name polls for the show. Combined with a greater focus on comedic sketches and parodies, British audiences found the elements of the show to work well together and saw the program as quality. Once episodes would air in Britain, the episodes would later be brought to the United States, and these new episodes became a massive hit with audiences who enjoyed the new style for this Muppet show. The new Muppet show became such a success that it was nominated for 21 Emmys over the course of the show, and the program would win four of these Emmys. Just look at all this. How did a frog make the big time? The success of The Muppet Show launched The Muppets into a strong brand, and combined with the audience of Sesame Street, The Muppets were reaching millions of people across all age groups. This great achievement left Henson and his team with a question, where do they go from here? While the team could have just continued to develop more episodes of The Muppet Show, or to develop spin-off shows, the team believed that the best way to further expand both the audience of The Muppets, as well as the storytelling capabilities of the characters, would be to create a Muppet movie. At first, the idea seemed exciting, but as time went on and the plans for the film started to come into place, the team started to realize that creating a feature-length film focused on these puppet characters would create new kinds of challenges they had not had to address in the television setting. In order to begin to address these issues, Jim Henson, Frank Oz, and film director James Frawley went outside of London to test what the Muppet characters would look like in the real world, since this was where the team wished to film their movie. Isn't that terrific? Look at all those twigs and branches up there. Look at those leaves. That's a great looking tree. Yeah, look at that bark. Before this Muppet movie, no other production had attempted to create an entire feature film showing the entire bodies of hand puppets. I got a lady kicks. I, I do understand that I'm not a real bear. Mm-hmm. But I but I, I am, I know what I am. I am what I am. Showing the entire bodies of the Muppet characters was going to present a new set of difficulties the team had never had to address before. Fortunately though, these tests revealed that it was possible to film the characters full bodies and still have the characters appear quality and appealing. Once these tests were complete, the team was confident that they could make these characters work in a film-like setting. Now confident that the Muppets could perform well in a film, the team began filming what was at the time known as the Muppet Get together on July 5th, 1978. Even after all the tests the crew had run through though, the team still ran into a number of unique challenges during the filming of the Muppet movie. The opening shot itself, a seemingly simple shot with Kermit alone on a log, required a complex setup to achieve the actions and movements the team needed the puppet to take. In fact, this scene was so complicated, it took the team five days to film. To make it seem as though Kermit was sitting alone on a log with no puppeteer controlling him, Jim Henson had to sit underneath the log and under the water in a metal container. Within this metal container, Henson had access to Kermit so that he could control him with his hand as he normally would. He was also given an air tube to ensure he could breathe and a monitor that would allow him to view his performance and see what Kermit would look like on camera. This was only the first of many creative solutions, which would need to be developed to complete the film in the way the creators desired. More challenges began for any shot in which the Muppets would need to stand alone in a full body shot. With the full view of a character being shown, and most of these shots not having a log to hide under, the puppeteers would need to find a way to control the characters while not being near them. The team came up with two main solutions to solve these problems, the first of which was remote controls. Engineers came up with the design 
designs for remote control systems, which would allow the team to puppeteer the characters from a distance so that the characters could seemingly move on their own. While this worked, it only allowed for certain kinds of movements, as more complex movements would still need to be performed by puppeteers near the puppets. This issue was solved by having the puppeteers control the characters in front of a blue screen, which would allow the puppeteers to control the characters as normal, and then composite the characters into a shot to make it seem as though the character is standing on their own. One specific full body shot was especially difficult for the team to accomplish. The shot of Kermit riding the bike needed extra work done to control him from a distance during a moving shot. The Kermit puppet was posed onto the seat, with the legs and arms both attached to the pedals and handlebars. In order to control the movements of the puppets, the team used an overhead crane which had a marionette system which held onto the bike using strings which would not appear on camera. These strings were used to guide the bike forward and to control the puppet. Another difficult shot which dealt with vehicles were the shots of Kermit and Fozzie in the car. Hansen himself specifically selected the classic cars used in the film, and he wanted the characters to seem as though they were really driving a 1951 Studebaker Commander coup. For the production of the film, the team acquired two of these cars, one of which would be used for the exterior traveling shots, and another which would be used for the interior shots where the puppets would perform. The car used for the wide shots did not need to be modified, as the camera would be far enough away from the car that a person could just drive the car normally. For the interior shots, however, the car needed to move while the puppets were performing. Achieving this kind of shot required many people working together simultaneously. One crew member sat in the trunk of the car and would drive the car remotely. They were given a monitor so that they could see where they were driving and ensure the car stayed on the road. The front of this car was modified so that the puppeteers could sit on the floor and control the puppets from below so that it would appear to the camera as though the characters were moving by themselves and driving the car. All of these shots required a strong team all working together to achieve the ambitious shots. But the most ambitious shot, which required the most amount of people working together, was the final shot of the film, in which all the puppets would perform together. In total, the crowd consisted of over 250 Muppets, all moving at the same time. At the time, this was almost every Muppet which had ever been created. Such a grand amount of puppets required an immense amount of work from a large team. As Henson archivist Karen Falk stated, 137 puppeteers were enlisted from the Puppeteers of America to perform every Muppet extent. Prior to the day-long filming of the shot, Henson gave the enthusiastic participants a lesson in the art of cinematic puppetry. Amazingly, it did take just one day. In addition to the 137 puppeteers which were recruited, the 13 puppeteers from the film crew worked on this final shot, which resulted in a total of 150 puppeteers being used for this shot. All of the puppeteers were positioned below the characters, in a pit which was 1.8 meters deep and 5.1 meters wide. Once all of these shots for the film were complete, the film went into post-production and eventually premiered at the Leicester Square Theatre in London on May 31st, 1979. The film then proceeded to release in the United States on June 22nd, 1979. Overall, the film grossed $76 million in the United States and Canada, which would make it the seventh highest grossing film in the region that year. Clearly, the film had become a great success among audiences, but it was also loved by critics. While the film did not win any Academy Awards, it was nominated for both Best Original Song and Best Adaptation Score. However, the film did win the Grammy for Best Album for Children. Many critics were impressed by the work done by the team, especially with how the team was able to make the characters move in full body shots. While these kinds of movements and shots of the Muppets may seem commonplace today, they were revolutionary at the time. 
a technical marvel which took hundreds of people working together to achieve. The result of this film was the reinforcement of the Muppet brand, creating a strong legacy which has allowed the characters and stories to continue to endure. What had once started as a small high school project by Jim Henson had grown into a full-scale multi-million dollar production requiring the work of hundreds of talented professionals. The path to such success was certainly not easy for Henson and his team, but as Henson claimed, the only way magic works is by hard work, but hard work can be fun. No matter what roadblocks Henson and his team ran into, the rejection, the technical challenges, the team never gave up. They had a dream and ensured that they would never lose what was at the heart of their journey, an unwavering passion to entertain the world and to bring a light of joy into people's lives. Every creative faces challenges on their path to success, but if you have a true passion, a true dream to make the world a better place, no obstacle will be able to keep you down. The true lesson from the production of the Muppets is that no matter what may come, no matter how dark the days may become, whatever insurmountable heights the pile of work reaches, however harsh the rejection rains down onto your head, keep believing, keep pushing to make the world a better place, and as long as you never let that fire of passion extinguish, you will.